0: I've got good news and bad news. The good news is I'm home from Podcast Movement Evolutions in Las Vegas. The bad news is, well, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, where I'm going to speak at Rockin' Pod tomorrow, and I thought, you know what? It's been a while since you've heard me remind you to go over to podcastbranding.co and have Mark design something really great for you because you got to remember they are going to see you before they hear you. So check out Mark at podcastbranding.co. But we also have Dan, the guy that does the mugshot, and that's because he sponsors Jim's mug. And Dan has been doing something different on his show where he now takes a, a kind of a week in time and then looks at how there were things that happened during that time in history, and he compares them to how they were covered in the movies. So for example, we're going to listen to episode 233 uh, which covers the Alamo. So if you want to remember the Alamo, well, we're about to do that. As well as Selma and Malcolm X, you can find his show at basedonatruestorypodcast.com.
1: Take it away, Dan. Hello, and welcome to Based on a True Story this week, where we'll look at how movies depicted historical events that happened between March 6th and March 12th. Let's get into it. march 6th 1836 texas it's the early morning hours so early that the sun hasn't even started to peak over the horizon leaving the screen nearly pitch black we can hear some sounds of soldiers moving although it's hard to see them very well because it's so dark we see a soldier stab someone in the neck with a bayonet making it so he can't scream as he dies In the next shot, we see Billy Bob Thornton's version of Davy Crockett plucking at an instrument. Then, he seems to have heard something, maybe the noise of the man dying. But he doesn't make any indication of what it was. But it was something. Crockett stands up and looks over the wooden wall he was sitting right next to. On the other side, he can see movement. Instantly, he ducks back down so he's not seen. Then, without pausing, he stands back up and aims his rifle. All of a sudden, countless Mexican soldiers start yelling, Viva Santa Ana, as they rush forward. Inside the walls, the noise has woken everybody up. Defenders take their places behind the walls, and a huge battle ensues. This depiction comes from the 2004 movie called The Alamo, and it shows us an event that happened this week in history the final assault on the Alamo that ended the 13 day siege. The true story is a little more difficult to give absolute facts about these smaller details, like who fired the first shot, because the truth is that the final assault on the Alamo wasn't very well documented. On top of that, everyone who was defending the Alamo died. That's not to say everyone died inside the Alamo. There were some non-combatants, women and children mostly, who survived. But the death of the defenders makes it even more difficult to know exactly what happened in the hours and even the days leading up to the final assault. Was the famous Davy Crockett the first one to shoot early that morning, like we see in the movie? We don't know. But realistically, it's probably doubtful. He did die there, though. But even his death is something we're unsure of exactly how it happened. Some claimed to see his body among the other defenders, while some say, He was one of a few prisoners captured by General Santa Anna, who was executed after the battle ended. What we do know is that there were 187 men who died at the Alamo, and about 3,000 Mexicans involved in the final assault. When Santa Anna's soldiers arrived, there were about 5,000 men, and 1,544 of them died during the 13-day siege. Davy Crockett was just one of the 133 defenders from the United States who died at the Alamo. There were 41 from Europe and 13 native Texans. When I say native Texans, that's something important to keep in mind because this happened in 1836, and Texas wasn't even a part of the United States at that time in history. In fact, it was in part because of what happened at the Alamo that helped Sam Houston end up winning the overall war because even though the Alamo was a defeat, it helped motivate Houston soldiers into forcing Santa Ana to concede Texas. Then, in 1845, the United States annexed Texas, which kicked off a new war between the United States and Mexico that started in April of 1846 and lasted until February of 1848. If you want to watch the event that happened this week in history, though, check out the 2004 movie The Alamo, and the final assault on The Alamo starts at about an hour and 35 minutes into the movie. And then after you've watched the movie, if you want to learn more about the true story, we cover that movie on episode number 172 of Based on a True Story, which means you can find it at basedonatruestorypodcast.com on a slash172. Let's pause here for a moment because today's episode is sponsored in part by Find Law. I love podcasts that help teach me new things and Find Law's podcast called Don't Judge Me has been one I've really enjoyed lately. Now, I'll admit that I wasn't really searching for legal podcasts because... Quite honestly, the idea of a legal podcast doesn't sound that entertaining to me, (laughs) but after giving it a listen, they've done a really great job of adding plenty of humor and entertainment into a podcast that helps break down hot topics in the law. For example, if you're a fan of true crime, they have a great episode from January called How to Talk About True Crime that talks about a TikTok creator who got into legal hot water for some of her videos, and then they break it down to help discuss some of the do's and don'ts. Don't Judge Me is the official podcast from findlaw.com, which is the Internet's top destination for free legal information for consumers and small businesses. You can find it on Apple Podcasts right now. To get free legal resources anywhere you are, head to findlaw.com today. That's F I N D L A W.com. Thanks, Findlaw. Stephis Group and Kibble Equipment
0: are partnering again for another auction. Get ready to bid on top of the line John Deere tractors, combines, planters, and more. Don't miss the chance to upgrade your farm machinery with some of the most reliable and efficient equipment on the market. Join them for this timed online event. The auction closes on March 20th at 12 p.m. Central Time. For more information, visit Steffisgroup.com. That's S T E F F E S Group.com. March 7th,
1: 1965. Selma, Alabama there's a line of people walking down the street. We can see they're all dressed nicely as the camera pans up from the polished shoes to suits for the men and nice dresses for the women. We can hear a reporter's voiceover, John Lavelle's version of Roy Reed, explaining the scene as we see it unfold on screen. About 525 black men and women left Brown's Chapel and walked six blocks to the Pettus Bridge in the Alabama River. After a brief pause, Wendell Pierce's version of Reverend Hosea Williams looks at Stephen James's version of John Lewis standing alongside him at the front of the line of people. Lewis looks back at Williams. Then, after a subtle nod, they continue walking. Everyone follows. Reed continues to explain the event from a phone booth where we can assume he's calling the newsroom back at the paper. He says they were young and old, carrying an assortment of packs, bedrolls, and lunch sacks. Then we can see exactly that, men and women of all ages carrying packs, bedrolls, and lunch sacks as they walk across a street corner. We can see a big bridge spanning a river. This must be the Pettis Bridge and the Alabama River that Reed mentioned earlier. As the black men and women cross the bridge, Reed's voiceover picks back up again as he talks about troopers. Just then we can see a line of police officers, all of them white, standing in a line. Reed explains the troopers were waiting 300 yards beyond the end of the bridge. There were troopers, dozens of posse men, 15 of them on horses, and at least 100 white spectators, many of whom are holding Confederate flags. The black men and women cross the bridge and approach the troopers. Then the camera cuts to David Oyelowo's version of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Someone calls and tells them to turn on the TV. They turn on the TV just in time to see a special news bulletin. The camera cuts back to the bridge where we can see the face-off between the troops and the people peacefully crossing the bridge. One of the troopers pulls out a megaphone and tells the crowd they have to disperse. The march will not continue. Reverend Williams asks for a word with the Major in charge of the troopers. He refuses. There's nothing to talk about. John Lewis asks again to speak with Major Cloud. Michael Papajan's version of Major Cloud replies by giving a nod to the troopers who all put on gas masks. Then he orders them to advance, and the troopers rush the crowd. What follows is mayhem, troopers beating innocent men and women in what ends up being a scene mixed with tear gas and blood. This brutal depiction comes from the 2014 movie called Selma. And it shows a very real event that happened on March 7th, 1965 in Selma, Alabama. While the movie's portrayal is well done from a historical perspective, there is more to the story. There were 300 protesters who started from Brown Chapel in Selma, Alabama at 3 p.m. on Sunday, March 7th, 1965. The reason why so many of the protesters were carrying lunch packs, sleeping bags, and things like that was because the original plan was to march the 54 miles from Selma to Montgomery. That's the capital of Alabama. And once there, the protesters planned on holding a rally on the steps of the state capital. But they never made it the 54 miles. Instead, they made it a little over a mile to the Edmund Pettus Bridge that spans the Alabama River. That's where, just like we see in the movie, a bunch of Alabama state troopers, along with some vigilantes who were all under the command of Major John Cloud, blocked the way. And just like we see in the movie, Major Cloud refused to speak to the protesters, and after ordering them to disperse, ordered gas thrown into the crowd. Then they used force, clubs, and other weapons to beat the protesters until they all fled back to Selma. While the event wasn't broadcast live like the movie makes it seem, it was filmed and broadcast later. The images from the event we now know as Bloody Sunday were etched into history and helped in the campaign for passing the Voting Rights Act of 1965. If you want to watch the event that happened this week in history, check out the 2014 movie called Selma. The march across the bridge happens at about an hour and 10 minutes into the movie. And if you want to learn more about the true story, we covered that movie on episode number 167 of Based on a True Story.
0: Ready to start your new career in tech? Building a professional network is key to landing your dream job. That's where Oregon State University comes in. When you earn your computer science degree online with Oregon State, you'll be mentored by experienced industry professionals. They'll connect you with global leaders in computer science and teach you the skills you need to get started in the tech industry quickly. Learn more at ecampus.oregonstate.edu. In a small town, nothing stays buried. But when two teens start a podcast investigating a mysterious week from their town's history filled with disasters and an unsolved murder... Someone will stop at nothing to ensure a dark truth is never uncovered. Pick up the thrilling novel, A Long Stretch of Bad Days, by award-winning author Mindy McGinnis, wherever books and audiobooks are sold.
1: March 12th, 1964, New York City. We're at a press conference. There are four people sitting at a table, three men and one woman. Behind them, three other men are standing, and if I had to guess, those men standing in the back are the bodyguards. At least seven mics are facing Denzel Washington's version of Malcolm X, who is sitting at the center of the table. The footage starts in black and white, but then switches to color when the camera angle changes to show the audience listening. Malcolm goes on to say this press conference is to help clarify his position. He doesn't waste any time to mention exactly what he means by that. Internal differences within the nation of Islam have forced him out of it. He says that he used to start everything with the honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us and so on, but now he says that day is over. From now on, he speaks his own words and thinks his own thoughts. This depiction comes from the 1992 biopic called Malcolm X, and it shows a very real press conference that took place on March 12, 1964. Although in the true story, while he did mention Mr. Muhammad in the speech, Malcolm didn't talk about how he used to start his teachings with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us and so on. What he did say was, internal differences within the nation of Islam forced me out of it. I did not leave of my own free will, but now that it has happened, I intend to make the most of it. Of course, there was more to the speech, but that message was a little different than what we see in the movie. But the basic concept is the same and it's an important historical event because this press conference and the actual day that Malcolm X left the Nation of Islam which was also this week in history on March 8th 1964 that was for the reason the movie correctly showed in the scene a little earlier in the movie after Malcolm X called the JFK assassination an example of the of quote the chickens coming home to roost and quote the Nation of Islam suspended him for 90 days. So he left, and the press conference, well, let's just say that didn't make the Nation of Islam happy. If you listen to Boats This Week a couple weeks ago, you'll remember that it was February 21st, 1965, that Malcolm X was assassinated by three members of the Nation of Islam. This week's event was a moment that set up the sequence of events That would lead to the assassination about a year later. If you want to see the event that happened this week in history, watch the 1992 Malcolm X movie and the press conference starts at about two hours and 32 minutes into the film. If you want to hear about the assassination, as I just mentioned, we covered that a couple weeks ago on episode number 231 with the Boats This Week episode covering February 21st. Or you can get a lot more historical context overall by listening to the episode. Number 128 of Based on a True Story, where we cover the entire Malcolm X movie. Let's take a quick break here because I wanted to let you know about Based on a True Story's Discord server. It's brand new, but if you're looking for a place to chat about today's episode, you can do that over at basedonatruestorypodcast.com slash Discord. Once again, that's basedonatruestorypodcast.com slash Discord. Discord. I hope to see you in there. All right. Now let's head back into today's episode. This episode of Based on a True Story This Week was written and produced by me, Dan Lefebvre. Before I let you go, while not historical events, there are some birthdays this week for people who have been mentioned in movies or TV shows. So if you're still looking for some recommendations of things to watch this week, here are a few historical options for you. On March 6th, 1475, Michelangelo was born in Caprice, Italy. He was an Italian Renaissance painter and sculptor who is perhaps best known for painting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. He was played by Charlton Heston in the 1965 biopic about his life called The Agony and the Ecstasy. On March 7th, 1671, Rob Roy was born in Buchanan, Stirlingshire, Scotland. Well, sort of. That's when records show he was baptized, so it's possible he was born in late February or early March. But March 7th is usually referred to as his birthday since we don't really know the official date. He was known as the Scottish Robin Hood and was portrayed on screen by Liam Neeson in the 1995 movie named after him simply called Rob Roy. If you want to learn more about the true story behind that movie, check out Based on a True Story, episode number 117. On March 9th, 1934, Yuri Gagarin was born in Clashino, USSR. He is best known as the first human to journey into space when he completed an orbit around the Earth on April 12th, 1961. He's been depicted in a handful of movies, including the 2013 biopic Simply Called Gagarin. If you want to learn more about the true story, I would recommend a documentary called First Orbit. It's pretty cool because they use the International Space Station to match Gagarin's path in space to show us what he would have seen that day. You can find it on YouTube or over at firstorbit.org. If you get value out of based on a true story, you can give back whatever you feel it's worth. Whether it's a dollar, $10, $100, whatever value you get out of the show, you can give back and learn how to get ad-free versions of the show over at com slash support. Until next time, thanks so much for listening, and I'll chat with you again really soon. Nicely
0: done. Dan, again, based on a true story, podcast.com. And don't forget to go to askthepodcastcoach.com and click on the microphone in the bottom right-hand corner. We'll be back March 25th, live, 1030 Eastern AM, by the way. Uh, Just go to askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. And of course, if you'd like to be an awesome supporter, askthepodcastcoach.com slash support. We'll see you next week.